Hello, everybody. Welcome to Powerful Impact. It's me, SP, and I'm here with Miss Morgan joining us today. How you doing, Morgan? I'm good. How are you, SP? I'm good. So our special guest today is the immaculate J. Rawls. <laughs> immaculate, huh? That's right. I don't know about all that. My wife would disagree. <laughs> We speaking on the music. We talking about the music. I, I, <laughs> the only part we could possibly know. Very <laughs> not. Very not. How is everybody? How you guys doing? I'm just going to start off with a softball question. For those people who don't know you, can you tell them um, where you're from and how that imp impacts you as an artist? Well, I am from Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> and so I guess the best way that that impacts me is uh, I don't have all the all the connects, all the resources, all the, you know, stuff for the big cities, the L.A.'s, the New York's, the Atlanta's. Um, but it also it also makes me work harder. You know, it also makes me strive a little bit more. It makes me build more connections, do better networking uh, because I'm I'm in the Midwest, you know. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all good. I, I'm from Columbus. I still live in Columbus. I love Columbus. Columbus is a great place to, to raise kids. So I, I didn't plan on leaving, you know, my, my second son just graduated from high school today. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. So, um, you, you started out though, as, um, you start out as a DJ, is that right? No, actually, really dope. actually, I started out, uh, real talk, I started out um, uh, like b-boying, like in like 84 with my crew, we used to uh, try to, try to, you know, b-boy or break dance, you know, for the, for the average consumer. Um, and that didn't really go that well, you know, after, <laughs> after I fell on my back a couple times, I was like, you know what, I gotta, I gotta find another part of the, of the culture. <laughs> I started beatboxing and that was really my thing. Um, that's how I, I led, you know, I added on to the group. Um, and then later, later I started rapping as, as members started leaving, as cats started doing whatever. And then um, DJing and, and the beats, et cetera, it came, it really, it really came a little later. Like when I was, um, uh, me and my dude, DJ Buka was in my, in my dad's basement going through his records and we, we found some samples and we was like, wait a minute, somebody, hold up, I heard that, hold up. Did you, we've heard that before. And and we stayed up all night that first night, I never forget, just going through them records and that was it. I've been addicted ever since. I mean, so now I go digging, I go digging every single week. So this 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 is today's take. Wow. I'm, I'm about to go through that when we done, cause I'm already making beats. Making beats right now. That's how we do. That's fire. The, the, the DJing came later. That's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it came because I man, you got me curious. I want to hear it all. <laughs> hey, you know, we can get it in. We can have an impromptu beat session. That ain't nothing. <laughs> so um, so you say you go you go how often did you say you go digging? Every week. Every week. And and um so I mean you've been all over, right? So like um are there any other places like specific cities that you found, you know, great? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amsterdam, Sao Paulo, Tokyo, um uh Memphis. I like Memphis. I like I got a lot of like, yeah, I mean there's to be honest with you, my wife teases me because when I go somewhere like for for college to speak or if I go somewhere to do anything, a family vacation, my priority is a record store. Like, <laughs> I always hit a record. She knows. She just be like, all right, build in some time for him to hit a record store. We going over here. We going shopping or we going to do whatever we going to do. But he going to the record store. And that's me. I mean, hey, I hit every city I hit, every new city I go digging. That's not even a question. You went 
when you go digging for when you go digging for records, what are you normally drawn to? Um, to be honest with you, my goal is always I'm looking for drums. I'm a drum head. So I'm mm-hmm. looking for open breaks. I'm looking for for you know, like once we we find a new record that has a break, you know, like you know, my man Vuka will be like, yo, this one got drums on it, or this one, you know, that kind of thing, and we share. Like, yo, you got to get that one. So that's it. I'll be, I look for drums. So anything else I find is like the spoil. It's like, okay, I find something with a dope sample. That's because I was looking for drums. And that's how I do it. So drums is what I'm looking for. And then when I pull up a record, I'm looking for year, label, um, the artist that played on the record. Because I've been digging for 30 years, I know. Like what artists like I'm looking for. If I see a name on there, you know, John Weddle or something, you like, oh, I know, I know what I'm getting, you know, um Bill Bruford. I mean, I'm I know Cozy Powell, like I know drummers, you know what I'm saying? So when I'm when I'm digging, I know what I'm looking for. You uh because because I think people are fascinated by when people when we start talking about digging, what is your favorite place? Today, what you mean, like with your favorite, place? your favorite spot that you that's you just go to because that's your spot. I don't even have one. I just need a record store. It don't even matter. <laughs> I just need some place with records. I don't really have a favorite spot. I just, I just need the. It's the art of digging. Like Ooh. I really, I really need to write a book and explain it, explain the culture because it is a culture. You know, there's so many subcultures within hip hop, and it's definitely one of them. And that's the culture that I, I love a lot. So, uh, do you do any of the online digging, or you still have to be in the store? I, 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 I mean, a little, just because now digging has gotten transformed through discogs and, and online, because. A lot of the good records you can't find anymore because people got them on discogs or wherever. Um, so you know it, it's been changed by that, but but that's why I, I kind of stay in the dollar records. I'll be I'll be on the cheap records. I don't need to spend a hundred dollars, you know, to find a dope drum break. I'll find something on something you didn't even imagine. And and another Ooh. thing I'm looking for when I'm looking for records, I'm looking for records that ain't on YouTube. Right. Yeah. That's part of the thing for me because I'll be honest, I'm not really, I don't have to have something that everybody knows. That's what I'm actually what I'm looking for. The stuff you ain't you ain't heard. Yeah, it's getting pretty saturated on on some of that stuff. I getting it is it's real. Yeah. It's, so it's, like, uh, so like that topic comes up a lot between. So um, I've seen a lot of what the difference between a producer and a beat maker. Mm-hmm. I mean, could you break that down to people like how will you yeah. see it? I would say that uh, a beat maker, somebody who sits here and chops, right, and makes uh, and makes beats, but a producer puts together a song, like you, you actually produce the song. To produce a song is a different, um, is a different idea because what you're doing is you create the song, you do the music, and then you help orchestrate how the artist um, rocks over that music, and that's that's you know that's some work. Definitely. And I've done both. So how how hard is it for you to to find those artists that um allow you to do your job if when when you're producing a whole song? It just it just depends, you know. Um normally that comes with the artist that has experience. Like sometimes I work with a rapper who's been doing it as long as I've been making beats. And I don't really have to say anything. They know how to, you know, make, you know, the chorus, the hook. They understand, you know, how the, the recording etiquette, you know, how to spit into the mic so it sounds good. How to, you know, um, take direction when they in the booth. Um, sometimes I don't, but then there's sometimes I work with a newer artist and, and I'm telling them all of that. You know, you got to speak, because I use the SM7B and a sure SM7B, you have to speak directly into it. You can't be on the side or whatever. You got to talk right into it. So, you know, you got to teach them that, that kind of thing. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this this question because just it's... Um, Don't even worry about phrasing. Just ask no, it. I just really want to... I'm so interested in this because I have a... a, a we 
talked to a couple of producers that said um, you have to want to be produced. So when you um, when you run across those who don't take direction as well as others, how do you handle those situations? Yo, being real with you, it's been so long since I've had to deal with that because I, I work with who I want to at this point. Like I do music because I love it. I don't I don't need to do it to survive. I, I don't oh. have to eat off of this. This is a love sport for me at this point. Um, and I think, you know, me being a, an educator helps with that. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh-huh. that's not the only way I pay my bills. So there's no pressure. So I don't work with anybody that I'm not interested in. Like everybody I work with, I want to work with them. Like I, I hollered at them like, yo, you know what I'm saying? Now there's sometimes people will hit me up. Y'all want to buy a beat and I want to do whatever. And I'll do that, you know, but I always, my first thing, and you want to buy a beat, send me some joints. Let me hear you. You know, because I, I mean, if you, you know, I I don't have to work with you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got to excite me. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, I don't really work with that many cats that don't want to be produced. If cats is coming to me at this point in my career, they want me to produce them. Right. Speaking of people that you've worked with, Blackstar, how did that happen? Yo, Black Star happened um, just through my relationships with uh, Moo out of Cincinnati and High Tech. You know, I met them through some mutual friends um, in like 96, 95, 96. And then um, uh, Kwali was uh, coming down t- from Brooklyn to uh, Cincinnati almost monthly on the Greyhound working with High Tech. Because that's how dope High Tech was at the time. He was incredible. And so... Um, you know, that's how I met him and, and ended up, uh, you know, he was like, yo, once they, they got the Reflection Eternal deal and most had a separate deal, they did a single deal with Rockets, both of them. And the singles did so well that Rockets asked them to do an album, but they had to do it together because Rockets didn't have a budget to do them separate at the time. So they was like, yo, y'all best friends, do the album together. Black Star was completely made up. It was just, yo, nice. Rock, Rockets was like, yo, <laughs> can you... Uh, <laughs> You know, money wise, you know, and and um, and that's what happened. And so Kwali was like, "Yo, just send me some beats." So I did, and that's how it happened. That's crazy. That's crazy how that happened. Like, like it wasn't like it's like the universe just said, "This has to happen." They were solo artists, right? They still are. Yeah. Um. Go go on with that with that um line john robinson's another artist that you work with that's my brother jr yeah he, he is so dope he is how did y'all end up initially meeting and working together yeah if you really want to know it was quali um and uh and it's funny because i was in, in in new york just hanging with Qua in like 97 98 whenever mm-hmm. it was and he um we went into Fat Beats, the record store at the time, and and he saw this record on the shelf. He was like, "Yo, get this record." I was like, "What is it? I ain't never heard. It. I don't know this artist. I don't know this group." And he was like, "Yo, I freestyled this at all of my shows. This record is crazy." And um, it was Science of Life, Powers of Nine Ether. And when I heard it, and then I heard I heard Sai's voice, I was like, "Oh my God, who is this?" And you know, so that's how I was first introduced to John Robinson or AKA Little Side. You know, that's the first time I heard him. And and then, you know, I just, everything that came out, I, I picked up. And then one day uh, we met in Atlanta because that's where he was living. I was down there doing some work and he was, you know, we just build and talk. And then we just got real close. We ended up doing an album and that, that was this record sitting right, wait, right there. The 1960s jazz revolution again, and uh, both of our initials are JR, right? J. Rawls, John Robinson. So, uh, we called the album JR, and uh, you know, that was our first album, and that album was fun, and we just had a chemistry. And then, you know, fast forward, we both became teachers, and so we had that in common. And so, we just, you know, so our second album, we wrote a book, and then made an album off the book, you know what I'm saying? Just cause we artists too, we hip hop too. We educators, we hip hop. So it was a no brainer. So yeah, JR is my brother. We actually, we talk 
pretty much every day because we are working on book number three. Wow. Youth Power Cult Youth Power Culture is such a great album. Yeah, yeah, here we go. <laughs> That's what's it's, up, Morgan. Good luck. Good luck. It's uh it's it's one of those albums when I first heard it, I was like, I'm going to go to the school and make them have a meeting and make them listen to this. Because I don't I think it's as older people we forget and we never had the we never had all all of this distraction in our world so i think we we don't understand how hard it is mm -hmm. to focus for that amount of time when you never do that in any other part of your day word 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 we um you know we actually do professional developments for, for teachers. So if you know any educators, let them know, you know, um, send them to itsjr.com so that they can find out about our professional developments. Because we, I mean, we just actually just came back from Harvard two weeks ago doing a presentation on how to use hip hop based education in the classroom, because it's time for a change. You know, we're, we're in the schools right now, helping teachers understand how to use this culture to help the young people and it, and it works you know what i'm saying so yeah tell tell the teachers let them know how well, far tell the principals <laughs> how how like um how how far like how how big of a reach have you guys got so far you know what i mean like as far as what like reach as far as um with like how many like schools have you um been able to get to adopt it or at least you do the professional development on on trying to get it implemented into these schools we've got several districts in kentucky uh in ohio and in new york so we've done professional developments in all those areas um but a lot of what we've done has been speaking at colleges i've been doing a lot of speaking at colleges just talking about it trying to get the word out there and let people know that we need to change some things up. Right. And does that help um, along the lines of, so like, the, um, I should ask the colleges that you're speaking to, are these, are these teaching colleges or are they? Okay. Um, not necessarily teaching, just, um, you know, universities, uh, but most of them are in, in colleges of education. Um, let's see, I did Virginia Tech, I did Virginia State, I did Pittsburgh, University of Pittsburgh. Um, Harvard, um, and these are just off the top, but it's been crazy. Like, that's really what I'm doing. I'm about to do Colorado State, um, about to talk to the uh, California Department of Education. Like, we're, we're moving. We're going to let people know what's up. Right. So, like, what I, what I was getting at was we all know it's easier to make changes when you're young, right? Like, once you get older, it, you know, those changes are hard to make. So, sure. like, is it easier to... Uh, like get to the young, uh, the people who are learning right now to, to try to uh, implement that right the now. Yeah. yeah, the teachers. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, that is probably the, the best way to do it. That's what I do at my program at, o at Ohio University. Uh, I work with teachers who are becoming teachers. Right. So that I think that is the best time to get them because it's much more difficult to do uh, to somebody that's been teaching for 20 years. But, right. you know, we still let them know. When you, when you are, uh, for the, the high school level, I, I, I grew up, I grew, grew up in San Antonio. So the school system that I'm is, um, uh, one of the more under, underserved communities. Okay. Got it. So. How hard, how do you get, especially the teachers who are teaching now, get them to understand uh, culturally what's going on and everybody's not just a bad kid and everybody's mm -hmm. not just hyperactive and needs meds, right, you know, right. is this, <laughs> this yep. is a reality. How, how how do we start those kind of conversations, especially in the community that's very seldom heard or 
even listen to. Indeed. Um, you know, that's kind of what we try to do in our professional development. So with our musical performance background, we come in in our professional development and you got to imagine. So I don't I don't know if any of you are teachers or not, but most professional developments are stiff, mm -hmm. boring. You sitting there and you fight and sleep. You're doing exactly what you tell your kids not to do in your classroom. And that's what you're doing when you're in a professional. We don't do that. We come in. I'll be like, like, we get it going. Like, yo, get up. We're going to party. You're going to have fun. And we we bring the culture straight to the teachers. And then we got their attention. And then we sit and we turn it around and we tell them, like, now, imagine if you did this with your kids. And then the first thing they say, oh, I don't rap. I don't DJ. I don't. But that's an excuse. You don't have to. You don't have to. What you have to do is center the culture and allow the students to 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 be who they are, to be their authentic selves. And so we just approach it by um, bringing the culture to them and then turning it around and, and showing them examples of how they can use that culture. Because a lot of teachers, they're fearful, right, of anything new. And they like, well, I can't do that. And it's like, you don't have to. Let your kids guide you. Let your students show you how to do it. There it is. Right. So basically, like, uh, I, I think I read it in your book. Um, you, you use, you have to use what you know, mm -hmm. you know, to, to to learn something new. So I mean, yeah. it would make that makes like that makes so much sense that you would use what these kids already know in their pop in pop culture or their culture, and use that to teach them what you want them to. to it's, know. it's called cultural capital, right? And so what we are saying is. Your kids don't come into the classroom as blank slates. They don't come into the classroom not knowing anything. In fact, they probably know more than you. <laughs> you just know Shakespeare. You just know the Pythagorean theorem. But they know how to take an iPhone and blah, 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 right? So that's some, that's some knowledge. That's some culture. So, I mean, that's culture, cultural capital. So what I'm saying is use what they know to teach them something new. And then, number one, they don't feel at like, oh, I don't know anything. They feel like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then what you're doing is you're empowering your students. Like imagine a kid that's empowered and feels connected to the teacher and what's going on in the classroom. They probably don't need those meds. You know what I'm saying? SP, that's what we were just talking about. They don't need the meds. They just need to feel like you're hearing them. Right, they, relationship. Need, they need that relationship. And that's what this is all about. It's about relationships. You build that relationship. Now, of course, there's always going to be a few outliers, right? That's always going to be the case. But the majority of young people, if you build that relationship, most of your problems is going to be solved. And, and that's how John and I, that's how we came to these conclusions, because that's what we were doing when we were in the classroom 10, 15 years ago, dealing with this, because we were like, yo, all the teachers are sending us the bad kids. All the bad kids wanted to come see me. They wanted to come to my room. And I had teachers like, oh, he's so bad. How do you get him? I'm like, no, he ain't. We was just having a conversation about Lil Wayne and, and Rakim. And we was comparing them. And we was building. Like, oh, she's so bad. She this, she that. And I'm like, no, no, she ain't. Because she's into anime. And we were just talking about it. And she was teaching me about it. She ain't. So that's when I realized the teachers ain't listening. Mm -hmm. You're not listening to the kid. The kid wants to talk about anime. All right, tell me about anime. All right, so boom, boom, boom. We ask some questions. We build and we talk and we're doing this. We're building that connection. Now, I want to talk to you. Well, let me tell you a little bit about me and boom, boom, boom at ABC. So now that student feels like they know me. We feel like we have a connection. So now when I sit down and say, okay, let's learn about the Pythagorean theorem. All right, I'm more likely to listen to you now, Mr. Rawls, because I know that you listen to me difference that's what we're talking about I was so enthralled for a minute i just thought <laughs> i put my hand <laughs> this is what we do this is what we do every time we do a professional development we get somebody like you that's like and it's almost like duh it makes sense but you know what the problem is we don't see kids as people and i used to do that with my kids until mm -hmm. i started thinking like this you see them as kids oh you're a little kid shut up sit down because that's how we were raised right mm -hmm. shut up you know, you don't need to be taught. You just sing. You don't be heard. You just we, oh. we're changing that. You can't do that. I need to hear from you. I need to know what's going because this world is different. 
it's crazy now this world is crazy you know you'll get a kid that'll take a gun into a damn grocery store like we got problems now you need to be listening to these kids you can't just you know you are to be seen and not heard that's that's dead that's dead so general question for you when it comes to the future for our kids right and youth where do you see them five to ten years from now roughly you know it just depends man you know some of them are going to struggle um because they're still dealing uh i think the ones that we allow to to be empowered the ones we let hear their student voice i think they're going to flourish man so it really it really it's a broad spectrum we're going to have kids that are doing the thing and then you're going to have kids that are going down the wrong path because at this point we're not reaching a lot of kids mm -hmm. we're giving them meds like sp said you know we, we label them as iep we telling them you know you're bad you're a bad kid if you keep telling me i'm a bad kid what am i gonna be right uh -huh. and the attention span is changing with social media and everything too so since since social media is so big then we got to take that and use it for our advantage and see that's what i try to explain to teachers why are you fighting TikTok? why are you fighting instagram you're going to lose when you leave the classroom when you leave the school teacher what are you doing <laughs> facebook instagram am i right or am i wrong y'all know i'm right because i do it do. when y'all get off of this right now y'all gonna post <laughs> Like, yo, I just talked to Rawls. We just did this. Yo, we got this coming. We all do it. So why do we tell our kids, hey, hey, don't do that. That's the dumbest thing in the world. We can't tell our kids that. We got to take it and flip it and use it and put it on our side. I'll give you an example. We get we get a kid in the classroom who I, I, they can't get off their phone. Yo, they just all it and, and they're not paying attention. They just and that. You know what we do? We make that person the classroom researcher. All right, you don't want to put your phone down? That's Mark. cool. Keep it. And and now anything that we're talking, oh, boop, 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 this, yeah. Look that up. What does that mean? Tell us what that means. And now they're adding to the class. Can can I ask? I, I want to continue on that line, right? Can I ask now? Let's bring it into a little more. That's a little macro, right? Let's go a little micro now. Okay. When it comes to black and brown children in particular. Where do you see them right now? Are they in a good place mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically? Like, where do you kind of see us, so to speak? The no, J Rolls of teenage and young. That's such a tough question to answer because I've seen black and brown that's doing well and thriving. And then I've seen black and brown that's struggling. It just depends, man, especially since I talk to different school districts. You know, I, I just, I just. It ain't talk where you're from. It's where you're at. It ain't where you from. It's where you at. It ain't none of that. It's what kind of educators and what kind of positive role models do you have, man? Like some of these kids don't have positive role models. They don't have people that's looking at them and saying you can do it. They get a lot of people to say you're a little dumbass or something. You know, crazy stuff. I didn't see kids like I'm like, yo, you telling them that. Yeah, he's gonna become a criminal or he's gonna become a whatever because you keep telling him he ain't nothing but that. So that's what I'm saying, fam. It's hard to say. I mean, it just depends, man. Like, what kind of positivity are you pouring into your kid? Boy, that that reminds me of most deaf, man, because I feel like I'm the per most deaf. Remember the beginning of black on both sides? People mm -hmm. always ask me, yo, most, where's hip hop at, man? Where is this? <laughs> like hip hop, some big giant in the <laughs> In the yeah. tree or the hilltop, yeah. you say you yeah. want to know where hip hop is. Hip hop is where, when you when you look in the mirror, and say, "Where am I? Where am where I?" That's a good. That's interesting. And and that's, like exactly, that's you know what? That's even better way to answer your question. Where's our black and brown you? Where are you? How do you treat them? You know what I'm saying? Like how are you treating your kids? That that's gonna be your answer. That's you know because you can't do much about the ones that ain't you know that you don't have control over, but. Like with my kids, man, I'm I'm I always pour positivity into them, man. You can do it. You are a star. You are special. You gonna be something. That's what right. they hear from me. So my kids don't think anything else. Like they know they're gonna be something. They know they're gonna be good. Last question. I'm gonna pass it back to the crew. Word so up. what advice would you give to anyone trying to pursue a career in teaching and or producing music professionally? 
like you know kind of giving a bread trail or blueprint to someone to like to wait to reach where you are you know basically if they look at this and get inspired yo i mean if you want to be a teacher then you're gonna have to go get the credentials um and 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 go go the route because teaching is still uh it's still buried in a bunch of bureaucratic you know blah 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 because you're dealing with kids you're not gonna get past that you gotta do the test and practice all that kind of stuff but what i will say is don't lose who you are don't lose your authentic self when you become a teacher you want to be who you are and be who um be your authentic self because your kids will see that and that will make them want to be their authentic self if you want to be a producer that's now that's the hard work i i uh because producing in today's age is way different you know i'm i'm blessed that i've been doing it for a long time and so a couple people know my name but to be honest with you it's rough right now what i would suggest for young people producing is make beats that you feel that's first and foremost if, if you don't like trap don't try to make trap if, if you love trap then you should be making trap beats and making them beats hot right and then my suggestion for up and coming producers is find an artist because people like to hear who what people sound like over your beats so find you a rapper find you a singer find somebody that's coming up just like you you know if, if you're up and coming don't try to you know go pay common or or you know or little dirt for a verse why would you do that find find the, that rapper that's hungry in your neighborhood who is that dude who is that young lady who is killing it in the hood find that person and y'all build together and then y'all youtube and soundcloud and, and instagram and, and letting people know yo who is these young people coming out of and that's how it works right and, you know, and i'm gonna i'm gonna go back a little bit to the first part of his question do you see um if you can get like this whole hip-hop based education like that fully implemented i mean do you think that will make more kids want to be educators i mean do you think that'll have an effect on there at all it could it could um what i'm hoping it would it does because that's the goal we're, we're trying to get i got two goals hip-hop based education and making hip-hop studies as normal as jazz studies those two things I want to I want to make a change on. So that's what I'm working toward. Um, but I think what it'll do is have um, make young people enjoy school a little bit more. You know, so many people have bad experiences in school. Like I talk to a lot of older people that be like, man, I'd never be a teacher because that was the worst time I hated. So that's what I hope it changes more. And then um, so the programs that you're working on. Uh, the the hip hop is hip hop Ohio. I forgot. What patent education. Yeah, the Hope program, hip hop Ohio patent education. So what that is is a program that I'm writing at Ohio University, and uh, I hope y'all look it up. It just just Google Hope program at Ohio University. It'll come up. Uh, but it is a hip hop based education program at Ohio University for for um, future teachers. Um, it's the first hip hop based education program in the United States. It's the first and I'm writing it and I'm a, a hip hop dude. So how about that? Nice. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's, it's four courses. We're figuring out if we're going to make it a certificate, a certificated uh, program, or if we're going to make it a minor, that's what we're working on right now, but it's brand new. We're starting year two. The first, uh, the first two semesters went really well. All the students that took the class, the first class, the number one, which is uh, EDTE 1010, Intro to Hip Hop Based Education. They all want to take the second class and stay in the program. That's great. Every single one of them, 100%. So I was like, yo, that's big. So I'm, I'm very proud of that. And, um, you know, it's just you, you got to start somewhere, right? So the, the goal is to start this at Ohio University and then see where we can move it. And then how do you work with how do we work with the with the school boards across the country that is so resistant to um, hip hop and black culture because they're of a certain generation and they are actually ignorant of the culture and mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's um 
it, because being in Texas, you see that the I know who y'all governor is. So yeah, the, the the legislation against yeah. the culture. So how do we, as a minority in this vast land of Texas, kind of push those doors open? Because or even get the community involved with pushing the doors open because in uh, this block, I think maybe two people know who is on the school board. Can can I, you want me to tell you real talk? Yeah. People like you, people like Morgan, y'all, people in education, people, um, I'm sorry, in the culture need to jump on school boards. I mean, if you, if you watching what's going on, the people that are running for school boards are all the people that ain't trying to help black and brown because they understand that it's about getting elected. Jump into these elections, get into the school board. Once we get more people from the culture on these school boards, things will start to change. People will start to be like, yo, we changing this because y'all are hip hop. Here's the thing. We are now hip hop culture is grown now. Think about that. We're grown. And think about this. For the first time ever, for the first, think about, listen to me right now, listen. For the first time ever, the parents and the kids are listening to the same type of music. Go back. Did you listen to what your parents listened to? Did they listen to what their parents listened to? Nope. You know what I'm saying? My bad. We listen to hip hop. We understand the culture. We understand our kids. Now, we may not listen to the same type of hip hop. We may not listen to the, all the lils and the young boys and the young miss, but we get it. We know hip hop culture. So to me, we got to take advantage of this. We got to take advantage of being from the same culture and, and make some changes. And the only way to do that is to start jumping on these elections now. You know, and we, we talk about the like the power of, of music and um you know the just the culture and all that. Do you think that a song or an album or podcast or stuff like this have the power to like change people? Of course, it happens every day, of course, definitely. I mean, y'all podcasts touch touch so many people. Come on, I mean, you you know what it is. Like people listen to music, they it, it helps them. I mean, that's their escape most times. Think about it. You, you see people walking with headphones. Shoot, you be walking with your own headphone. That's when you get into your zone. So, yeah, definitely has a problem. Where do, where do you see hip-hop five to ten years from now? And where do you see yourself five to ten years from now? Professionally, I see, personally. I see hip-hop growing. I see hip-hop just getting bigger and, and, and moving forward. Um, it ain't going to look like it does right now. It ain't gonna look like the glory days that we wish it looked like. It ain't gonna be that. So we gotta get over that. Um, me personally, five to 10, um, somewhere tenure track professor, you know, um, my kids will all be graduated and out the crib. So me and my wife traveling, yo, I'm, yo, I'm, I'm, hitting, I'm hitting Europe with her. So I done been all over the world, but not with her. You know, I went doing music. So I'm in places like Paris and stuff and don't get to see the Eiffel Tower, don't get to, you know, travel and be a tourist. So I want to go be a tourist. That's that's where I see myself. Teaching, still making beats and traveling. Yeah, and then, you know, I see uh, liquid the Liquid Crystal Project too up there. Uh, so we've had Mr. Walt from the Beat Miners and we've had General Steele from Smith & Wesson. Nice. So you've done tribute to Beat Miners on that project and you sampled Bucktown, right? Mm -hmm. Nah, I didn't sample Bucktown, I sampled the original, but yeah. The original, but it's on Bucktown. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. So yeah. how uh, are, are is Beat Miners influential for you? Yeah, definitely. Everybody that I've done a tribute to is influential. Beat Miners, Souls of Mischief, Dilla, you know, um, Pete Rock. It's really, um, those are just like, so as a producer who chops and doesn't play anything, like everything I play is by ear. So I'm not, I don't, I can't read music. I ain't trained, none of that. You know, I, I didn't get those opportunities. Um, but once I found a band that was like-minded and we was like, fam, 
I was like, yo, I got ideas. I got dreams I wish I could do. And so that's how all of that came about. You know what I'm saying? Just, um, and, and yo, the beat miners, Mr. Wall, Evil D, they already know. I mean, I, t I tell them, I tell them every time I talk to them, like, man, y'all, y'all know y'all influenced the hell out of me. <laughs> That's why you wanted to be on the show. Powerful impact. Boom. From <laughs> right. That's right. Indeed. Do you have like a favorite collaboration you've done? Mm, not really. Cause all the collaborations I do, I, I mean, I'm excited about them. You know, the, the work with John Robinson has been incredible. Um, I mean, gosh, the work I did with fat John, I mean, I, I've been blessed. So, I don't have just a favorite. I just enjoy making music. And then, you know, going back to, to Blackstar, you know, we were talking about how things have changed as far as social media and how, how projects are coming out. So a lot of stuff's on streaming. So mm -hmm. they, they put out their sophomore album. Did you get a chance to listen to that? For Whose was it again? Blackstar. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, definitely. What'd you think about that? Uh, I liked it. I liked it. I, um... <clears throat> Uh, I got like, there's three of them on there that's just like super extra beautiful to me. And, um, but I like the album as a whole. But what I'm looking for is a certain type of beat, and I need samples. And of course, Madlib samples. So I'm good. Otis, you know, I'm Madlib, my fault. Madlib is, is one of the greatest producers. So I don't even know if that's a question. Um, I want to ask, what's your what's your dream collaboration? What are you looking for musically? Who would you like to work with in the future? You know, I've always wanted to work with Common. I'm a big Common fan, uh, but I haven't met him. I mean, I, well, I've met him, but I mean, not like got to sit and build with him. So that's that's definitely one man. There, there's, but honestly, man, like a lot of the the people that I work with, I just. I get blessed, you know, I'm not, there's really no dream like, yo, I really wish I could work. Nah, I just, I just kind of go with the flow. Okay. And back to like a little bit with Blackstar, I want to explore a little bit more. Two things when you're working on the album with them, like the original, um, what was it like producing Brown Skin Lady, which is one of my favorite joints by them? What was what was that like for you? And are there any other songs that you produced for either of them solo or together? I, I did a lot um, solo for Qua. Uh, I did I did a couple couple joints with him, man. Um, one he did with Makiba. I did one that he did uh, <laughs> some like this track. He ended up using. He asked me could he use it. I was like it don't matter. Um, I did joints for most back in the day, but they didn't make Black on Both Sides. I did like four of them. <clears throat> but they they didn't make the album, um, and then that was the last of our of our work. Um, but doing the the brown skin lady was crazy, you know. It was it was uh, um, because it was an experience, you know. Rockus flew us out to L.A., and that was my first time in L.A. in '97, um, and and I had never, uh, you know, I didn't know like the industry, so all of that was new to me. Uh, and Kwali taught me everything. He took me to BMI. He showed me about split sheets and points and all that. I didn't understand any of that. Um, and then, uh, you know, when we recorded it, that was the very first song we recorded for the album. So what? Yeah. Salute. Yeah. Brown Skin Lady was the very first song. And then Definition was the second. And we did them both in the same lab at the same time. And that's why, um, you know, when he says... Wait, you produced it? Nah, that's High Tech did. That, me and High Tech flew to L.A. and met Kwali out there because we had to go to L.A. to record it because Most Def was doing um, Spin City, the TV show with Michael J. Fox. He was doing that at the time. So we flew out there to record because Most was getting his TV on. Multiple strings of income, people. That's I learned how you do this. I, that's, and that's who I learned that from was Dante. Man, He was like, yo. I got money coming from left and right. I'm like, huh? I ain't know nothing about you got that. Got that Bill Cosby money. You got that Bill Cosby Cosby mysteries. He Salute got that Yasin Bay, Bay, Bay. Indeed. And so, you know, that was that was you know. So when you hear most deaf say say high tech, yeah, you're ruling hip hop. Say J. Rawls, yeah, you're ruling hip hop. 
that's because we were standing out there and watching him in the booth when he did that. <laughs> that's why he said it. And I'll tell you another story. This is for y'all. Uh, when he says redefinition, now you're ruling hip hop. The name of the group was redefinition. That's who they were going to be. And they changed it later. Exclusive, exclusive. Oh, wow. Here, here, here. Right. So, oh, sorry, uh, go, go ahead, Neville. All right, I'm, I'm in my, I'm sorry, I'm in my black star bag right now. I'm, I'm geeking out. All right, so let me ask now: When you watch these brothers now, because you brought it up, podcast, and I just said Yasin Bay, what's it like to be a peer, friend, colleague, comrade watching these brothers evolve, and vice versa, like them watching you, Doctor Rawls, Professor Rawls, like. What's it like to watch each other like, damn, I've seen my brothers with Mad Lib, and it's yeah. like, damn, I see my brother over here graduating. But, like, what is it like to see each other moving and having such influence and a powerful impact on, right, in your immediate circles and the community at large and international, yeah. out and national? <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's dope. It's dope. I mean, the main thing is, man, it's just I'm nostalgic, man. So, like, you know, most people got Apple you Music. You missed them White Owls. That's what it, you missed the White Owls. No, I'm just playing. I'm just. I, I don't even, hey, I, here's another thing that people don't believe, but I don't even style, smoke. Man. I don't smoke or drink, so people will be like, "Huh? What? Yeah, I don't. I don't. So I don't miss none of that. What I miss is just making that music when there wasn't no no money involved, no schedule, no. It was just we just did it because we loved it. There, there's something about that. That's a different feel, and so. Um, that's what I miss. You know, to be honest, like I said, a lot of cats got Apple Music on their phone. I don't do that because I, I load all the old music from my my iTunes. I still listen to stuff we did in 95, 96, 97, and that's what I be bumping. So, so uh, when did you get your degree, your education degree, like your... My doctorate, 2017. Yes. So were you still... Because um, I know you said that making music isn't something you that's a hobby like you don't have to do that that's something you get to do just out of love so yes. were you still doing it at like was it hard to do both or were you like um it's just a balance i mean i never stopped making music because like i said i i love it that's just what i do but i don't have to do it right. to, to make my money um the music that i i do i do because i want to so everything i put out i put out because i want to like i don't have to do anything um like now i'm starting to make dance floor and house music like i'm, I'm about to hit y'all with something way different like i'm i'm expanding and just changing you know i'm getting older i don't know what it is but it's it's and it feels good it feels good so i just do what feels good you know what i'm saying um but it's it's definitely difficult to balance both when i was writing that dissertation that was tough that was a lot of work so yeah that that made music you know take a little back seat but it came back so when when all is said and done what do you want your legacy to be yeah i released uh, my last album of me rapping called the legacy uh i want my legacy to to be hip-hop and education you know i want when 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 you wikipedia me after i'm not here anymore i want you to see that he was an educator and a scholar and he was a he was a producer and a producer of genres because i've done soul i've done hip-hop i've done jazz and i'm about to do house i ain't playing the name of the show is powerful impact so who are the three three who are three people in your life that had a powerful impact on you. Hmm. I, I I don't even know if I can just say three. It, it just everything that I'm doing has a different person. You know, my dad, my mom. Uh, just that's that's first and foremost powerful impact. Um, when it comes to education, people like Chris Emden and Emery Patchauer, um, they have been my mentors in this education thing. Uh, when it comes to hip hop, it's people like DJ Center, Rhett Matic, John Robinson, Wordsworth. You know, there, there's a lot of people that inspire me, um, and, and my peers. You know, that inspire me to to push forward. So, 
Yeah, there's a lot of powerful impacts. I think that's the only reason I'm here. It's because I got so much support. So the support system. Um, how would you how would you suggest for people who like me, um, growing up the the way I grew up, I didn't know what the hell a mentor was or even how <laughs> Right. Or even how to go about finding a mentor, or what it, even what the word meant half the time. Right. So <laughs> internship or a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so with the with knowing the importance of a mentor, how would you get? How would you explain to somebody how to um, find that kind of leadership and network and and how to network because a lot of people have an issue with even knowing how to do that well i'll be honest with you it's difficult to go from like needing a mentor to finding one it really depends on the mentors the older people to reach back and help some younger person i think um but if you're really asking that for young people that don't have a mentor don't really know how to go about that i would say First of all, find your passion. What do you love to do? Is it is it sneakers? Are you a sneaker head? Are you a basketball head? Are you an anime head? Are you a video game head? What do you do, right? And then find the people that do that and then network. You know, and, and when I say network, if you don't know what networking is, then ask them questions. Just build with them. Ask them questions and, and learn more about it. And, and as you do that, somebody will see that you have an interest and hopefully take you in and take you on. But that's hard. I mean, I don't know if you don't have one, you know? No, I think that was the answer. You're saying first and foremost, you're saying find the passion, the direction, and the drive. Then yeah. you're saying hopefully find like-minded people and then hopefully find people that are generous with their time, effort, energy, and resources. To exactly. That's a lot of things, but I think a lot, but that is a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It ain't gonna be easy finding a mentor. And people have to be selfless, right? And not selfish with their time. The mentor, as well as you, you have to be open enough to be willing to put in the time. Everybody, I want this, I want that, but they want the shortcut. They want the microwave fast food, and they don't want to put in the time in the grind. Don't they? The microwave fast food. I like that. And speaking of, of that, like there's a, um, the difference is, so we, 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 we get a lot of boom bap, right? On, uh, that's generally what I, that's what I listen to a lot, but Me too. <laughs> uh, what do you think, or if there are any differences between like, like original boom bap and boom bap today? Oh yeah, yeah. It's definitely changed. I mean, I would I would call boom back today like your Griselda's and and all the stuff that's going on now where they don't they don't have no drums in them. It's just samples, <laughs> you know, which is cool for me. But that ain't really that ain't. I need them drums. I need I need that drum. Like my head need to nod. You know, that's what I'm looking for. You talking um, SP language? You want drums? She was talking about it in her car. Windows to rattle. <laughs> yeah, I need them drums. Like yo, what's up? And and so you know that that music is dope though. I ain't gonna sit there and lie. My my dude, my dude Buka in Atlanta right now at a Griselda concert, losing his mind. You know what I'm saying? And and uh, that that music is good music. You know them dudes is rocking. They 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 hip hop. You know so it's raw. It's, it's raw, but it's just hip hop is growing. It's changing. So boom bap is gonna change. Trap is gonna change. I mean, imagine ten years from now. The, the kids that grew up on trap will be like, man, this new trap is whack, man. They ain't doing it like how we did it. You know what I'm saying? Air love, salsa, drill, all that. You know, oh, that's that. Oh, that's that new drill. They ain't doing it right. You know, <laughs> that's how it's gonna be. How do you think you 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 can um, start to bridge that gap? Because which gap? It, the the gap between old school and new school because I I'm, I always see if you don't know if you don't know who DJ Honda is don't talk to me about hip hop. 
And see, that's what has to change. Cause I used to be like you, you can't do that. I did, I used to do that. And then my students taught me like, yo, you can't do that because when you was coming up and it made sense, because think about this, I'm gonna tell you something, I'm about to flip y'all on y'all's ear real quick. When I was growing up, Bump and Run DMC, Run DMC is classic. Am I right or am I? I mean, all right, I saw Ed. Run DMC is classic. Well, check this out. Iconic. When I was listening to Run DMC, I had an old head tell me, this new junk is whack. You need to listen to Treacherous 3, Grandmaster Cass, Melly Mel, this new stuff. These dudes ain't got it. How about that? <laughs> so it made me think, like, you know what? Hold up. Because... <laughs> It's, it's all perspective. So what you need to do, SP, when you hear this new stuff and these young people are into it, make them tell you why is it dope. Have them give you lines. And then you you be like, okay, that's dope. That's dope. How about this line? And then you hit them with a quick Rakim line. And then they be like, oh, okay, I got a little Dirk line. He goes, right? And you be like, okay, I didn't understand that, but check this out. I got a Nas line. Nas said, boom, 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 boom. And so now y'all having an exchange and instead of putting down the young person, you having them defend what they love. And then that's a conversation. That's even building a bridge. That's building a connection. So that's how you bridge the gap. You challenge them to tell you why they dope. And then you tell them why you was dope. And everybody listen. You listen to their stuff and pull out the good points, right? Because you ain't going to like everything. That's just not going to happen. And they're not going to like all of our stuff. I've sat with my students and sat with them and I'm sitting here playing 93 to infinity. Like, yo, this is everything. And they can't see it. But then they play me some NBA young boy and I'm sitting there like, <laughs> okay, if you say so. Right. But we exchange it. And that's what you got to do. SP. Yeah. We have a, me and my daughter would trade artists. So, but every artist, For every artist that um, she wanted me to listen to, she had to listen to somebody that I listened to. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. Which makes her playlist now so weird. She's like <laughs> all over the place. Yep. 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 I get it. So, um, I'm going to give everybody an opportunity to slide one in if y'all have another question. I was just going to uh, ask, um, when you're making a song or a beat, how do you know it's done? Like, like how, like, is there like a light bulb? Like, like what is your process with that? It's just how it feels. Um, the way I do it, I make like, it's, that's what I was just doing. That's, that's why. I got this beat up right now because I'm, I'm adding some, cause what I do is I make it and then I, I bounce it. I put it in the car. The car test is the final test, right? You listen to it in the whip. Cause that's how everybody else going to hear it. Right? right. So I'm listening to a whip and I'm like, Oh, I need to turn the kick up. Oh, I need to turn the hi-hats down. Oh, I, I could bring in, Oh, I could put a scratch right here. I could, so that's how I do it. So then I come back add add what I got to add. Go back to the car, be like boom, boom. All right, this feels good. It's done. Boom, next one. That's it. And that's how I mix too. That's how I mix my songs. Same way. Right. My question is for you when it comes to like producing, is there a certain mood you're in when you're creating a beat or music? Like if you're in a sad mood or in a somber mood, do you look to type to try to find that type of loop or drum or when you're in a happy mood, you yeah, try to find that, that type of beat. Like, how does nah, how does that work with digging? That's a good in question. Life? Nah, it's it's none of the above. It's I just have to be in a good place to be able to create. Um, I can't like if me and the wife's arguing or something. I can't. I, I'm not in the mood to create. If if you know something sad happened, I might not be in the mood to create. Um, when I'm in the mood to create, though, I just kind of I, I let the music guide me. I'll be honest. I I start with drums every single time every single time every single time i start with drums like i find me some drums that i like i chop them and i put them in and then i just sit and listen to them drums and then i start thinking about oh i remember this sample i thought of this oh i could chop that and then that's how i do i put the sample in later but i always start with drums that's me 
two more, two more quick ones, SP. Um, what made you what made you decide to become a producer and beat maker as opposed to an MC and artist up front, or was it the simultaneous? Like, how did that work? It was just you know the egg. It's just nah. It's just because I found the um, I was finding the samples in my dad's records, and that that did it. That you know the records. The records drove me to it. The records finding that vinyl, and then the MC came after. Now nah, the MCN came first. First, okay, and then the okay. First, now I gotta yeah. find something to match it. Yeah, I mean, it just the beat making was much more fun. The DJ came out of necessity because my DJ went to jail, and so I had to learn how to DJ. And then once I learned how to DJ, I realized that was something I enjoyed, and I could do it out. So. I always, I always forget the damn term, but it's something something creates out of necessity. Yeah. I can't remember the term. Anyway. I can't either, but that's what it is. You know what I mean, right? It, it's the invention of creation. Uh, whatever. All right, anyway. You're a DJ, right? How did this influence your production style and craft overall? That's my last question. Uh, mostly just because I know what DJs like. Like, I like sometimes I like starting with the drums because I know it's easy as a DJ to bring stuff in with the drums or just starting on the one. It makes it easy to blend in. So I'll do that a lot of times on my beats. So just a final question. Well, actually, yeah, final question. What's your, what's a fact about you that your fans would probably be surprised to know? Mm-hmm. A fun fact, like one of them under the Snapple cap type thing. <laughs> yeah, random Snapple cap type thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, I mean, I cut hair. You know, I had three sons, so I couldn't make three barber four barbershop trips a week. I couldn't afford that. So um, I actually taught myself how to cut hair when I was a sophomore in high school because uh, I told my dad. If he got me clippers, I would learn how to cut hair if he would give me the haircut money because I needed to buy records. <laughs> that's the deal I made. So that's how I got a lot of the records I got because I used to start with them bowl cuts. I couldn't cut. I learned. So, you know, I did that all through college. I cut cat's hair, made extra money in college. So, yeah, I can I can fade. Necessity is the mother of invention. There it is. Oh, and it was a necessity to get, that, to get that record money. I needed that money. I needed it because my allowance wasn't enough. I was like, yo, this is cool, but I need that haircut money plus the allowance. Now I can go, you know, I, I was addicted back then, yo. Are you West Indian J. Rawls? You sound Jamaican, man. 20 drops. Um, you straight Columbus, Ohio, man. I don't need, man. Listen, you, you Ohio. Know, I was going to ask you, you must be from Brooklyn or Definitely, something. Definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm with, I'm, I'm. <laughs> Yeah, you straight up New York City. I'm New York. You take me back. You got me like, yo, one, two, three. Yeah, you straight up New York all day. So I just want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh this has been a treat. I especially love the conversation about education. I don't think we talk about it enough as a community. Um, is there any shout outs you want to give or um, promote, promote, promote? That's what we're here for. <laughs> and we're going to put all the links and the stuff that you yeah, said. Yeah, put the down links below. for me, man. But it's jr.com, polarentllc.com. You know, tell cats to check me out. But you know, shout out to y'all. I appreciate the interview. I appreciate everything. Um, oh, my son just came down here, so I'm about to get some get some kicking with him time. He just graduated, man. It's my dude right here. Congratulations. Congratulations. High school graduate, man. It's oh, over. Hey. Education. <laughs> yeah, man. So I'm about to uh hang with him, but I appreciate the opportunity. And you know, I'm about to get back on these beats, man. Thank y'all. And check out the hope program and all that good stuff. No doubt. Right. Yeah, before all we right. go, I just I just want to say real quick, I think you are incredible. Thank you. You're an incredible person because that 
our kids are Immaculate's so important. The word, but yeah. Immaculate, right? That's right. Our kids are so important. Our education so important. So, so thank you. Peace and thank you. I appreciate y'all. This is SP, Morgan, Dev, and Jay Rawls, and we out. Like, comment, and subscribe. Peace. Hit the notification bell. Jay Rawls made a powerful impact. (laughs) SP made a powerful impact. Morgan made a powerful impact. Never made a powerful impact. You go out there and make a powerful impact. One, two, three. (laughs) Peace. Jay Rawls. Peace. Black star keeps shining.